For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Now with the death of a woman in McCroom on Friday, that's very a very tragic accident. And now we have another incident this morning that's just breaking from around about uh, 10 past one this morning in the village of Balangiri. It won't make the newspapers, but it's making online editions and it's making the Red FM news. A woman has died after a car struck a number of pedestrians in the early hours of the morning in the village of Balangiri, around about 10 past one. And sadly, very sadly, one of the pedestrians, a woman in her early 50s, died after being struck by the car. Um, two other female pedestrians in their 40s were taken to Cork University Hospital. Um, and I have to say, they have serious injuries. Uh, the driver of the car, and a man in his early 40s, and his passenger were uninjured. So that's tragic news this morning. I hope uh, the two female pedestrians make a full recovery in our thoughts or with the family of the misfortunate woman who lost their her life. Um, and from the roads to the skies, frozen Ireland grinds to a halt. Uh, and that's very generalised, really, because some parts of the country got a right whacking and others didn't do too bad. But we had flights cancelled and many places had treacherous driving conditions and many people who weren't already working from home were working from home and schools were starting to close and the big freeze forcing closures of schools. Why do I mention that? Because all of that and lots more make the red tops and the broadsheets this morning and they are quotes for you from the uh, the mail this morning. In fact, Cork Bio, because uh, I was wondering what was the story with all of this chaos in the skies, Dublin airport, all the UK airport, people hanging around terminals for hours and hours on end, people sitting on aeroplanes. Heard of some people that were five hours sitting on a plane that just didn't move from Dublin airport and issues as well um, in Cork. Not as many though. Cork Bio reporting that um, three flights had to be diverted away from Cork Airport because of low visibility. There was an awful lot of fog on top of the cold snap, of course, and they couldn't land safely. Fogging conditions made it impossible to perform reliable landings. They went to Shannon instead, which is a dose for those on board, but better to be safe than sorry. Well, the Echo says this morning that Cork Airport expects over 135,000 passengers or more through its terminals over the Christmas period between now and, say, the 6th of January. Because it's like the first festive season in three years without any mention of COVID or a pandemic. And that's got to be celebrated in some way, shape or form. And, and you know, with regards to the cold snap, I, I see a story in the Echo this morning uh, where the uh, Director of Services at Cork City Council's Community Culture and Placement uh, Department, uh, Adrienne Rogers, is saying that leasiders who are struggling to heat their homes this winter are being encouraged to use uh, libraries, such as the city's 10 libraries, to stay warm. You are welcome there, apparently. But um, years and years after her murder, back at Christmas time 1996, the Garda investigations never ended with regards to trying to solve the puzzle of who murdered her. Uh, and we have two kind of different investigations ongoing at the moment. The live investigation that never stopped and what you could call maybe a cold case review. And as part of that, many of the papers this morning, but I'm honing in on the echo, um, quote uh, Superintendent Joe Moore from, Moore from Bantry Garda Station saying, we will not stop until we bring it to a conclusion. Um, and he, he is saying that, you know, every week that passes, they gather more and more information. Now, sadly, some of those who did come forward over the years have passed away. But at the same time, they still want to speak to, speak to anyone who met, spoke, had any interaction with Sophie Tuscan de Plantier from when she arrived in Ireland um, 
and ended, you know, Dublin and then Cork Airport, December 20th, 1996, until her body was discovered. He says there are still people who have information. He says, I believe that there are still persons who have information on Sophie's murder and who haven't spoken to Gardaí. Um, and then goes further and says that I'm 100% satisfied that there is somebody out there who has information in relation to this case. Um, and in other newspapers this morning, including the Examiner, we pick up the point that maybe some people in the past were afraid to come forward and they may not be afraid anymore. You know, they also say that they have new witnesses coming forward. New witnesses in Sophie's killing are seen weekly by the Garda Chagall, almost weekly, not just here in Ireland, but new witnesses in France and indeed in the UK. Um, so there still is a lot of optimism with regards to solving this crime and bringing her murderer to justice. Story we dealt with on the air in the past, um, of course, uh, and even on yesterday, and that was senior citizens who were robbed, whether it's in their own home or indeed in the case that I'm going to mention to you now, um, coming from the post office in St. Luke's. Yes, you are right. It's the elderly woman uh, that I spoke of about 10 days ago, 93-year-old woman, collected her pension at the local post office in St. Luke's and was walking home. Well, one of the men accused of robbing the 93-year-old now is appealing to the High Court to be released on bail. Now, the Gardaí aren't happy with that in any way, shape or form because they are saying that there's strong evidence to support the charges and the Gardaí fear that if he's out on bail, he might commit other serious offences if granted bail. So he does face a charge of carrying out that robbery on November 9th at Charlemagne Terrace in Wellington Road when the 93-year-old was walking along Wellington Road having just got her pension four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, to collect, after collecting her pension, as I say, in St. Luke's Post Office, two men came up behind her, grabbed her handbag. She wouldn't let go. They knocked her to the ground. They dragged her along the ground as she tried to hang on to her handbag. They eventually got it away from her and in the bag, money, uh, her mobile phone and her house keys. So that will be before the High Court with regards to a bail uh, application. And the Taoiseach in waiting. This is a story that's just not going away. I mean, it follows on concerns about Leo Varadkar, about sharing of the GP contracts agreements uh, to a friend in 2018. Uh, He survived that. But the issue of um, the incident in the nightclub, um, two million people have seen that video, incidentally, even though TikTok have taken it down, Leo Varadkar in a nightclub. And and, and bizarrely, uh, everybody stopped short, me included, of actually describing the contents uh, of the video clip and what Leo Varadkar uh, was doing and and with whom in the nightclub. But he's saying that um, you wouldn't be human if you didn't experience lapses of judgment. He says that, um, you know, after quite an amount of controversies. He says he's confident that he will be chosen by Fianna Gael uh, to um, step up as as Taoiseach. Uh, Mind you, there are Fianna Gael backbenchers that are very uneasy about the video and the uh, stuff that went on uh, in the nightclub. Um, They share concerns about that at the weekend. But Michal Martin has wrote in on it in many of the papers this morning, and I'm picking up on it in the sun today, where he says that the filming of the Taunishta in the nightclub is a breach of privacy. Now, the clip sparked widespread debate with some criticising how invasive it was in the sense that it was Leo Varadkar's private life and what he does in private, even though he's a public person, is of nobody's concern. But uh, apparently, Michal said, I think Leo Varadkar's life, or my life, or everyone's private life, is their private life, and I do not in any way condone 
any breach of that privacy. He says, I think it is wrong in my view to be breaching the privacy in terms of filming people in a social context. And he says, I think that's wrong. And he went further then to say, and maybe this is a consequence of the Varadkar nightclub clip, that he's saying there will be strict social media rules coming down the track that will put an end to this kind of carry-on um, Good luck with that. That's like trying to push back the tide. There is a story involving Ronan O'Gara making many of the newspapers this morning. It is just so detailed uh, that I just don't have time to go into it. But the the upshot of it is, in The Independent this morning, is that um, uh, the former Irish rugby international Ronan O'Gara has accused a former business partner of effing fleecing him by taking money out of the pub in which there were both shareholders in at the time. Now, the comments were, were, were made during an exchange of text messages. Now, the text messages are in all of the papers today, the back and forth, there's loads of them online as well in the online edition of the newspapers but it would take me half an hour to go through the full detail of the story but the crux of it is um, that it was an exchange of text messages uh, with Ronan O'Gara and John O'Driscoll who was a former teammate of Ronan O'Gara at UCC and Con. Um, and these uh, exchanges in texts occurred in March of last year. Why do we know about them? Well, they're part of papers that have been filed in the High Court where O'Gara alleges that O'Driscoll took 15,725 €15, euro from their pub business, the Silly Goose on Washington Street in Cork, which was apparently under pressure at the time. And, um, you know, maybe business had dropped back. I'm not quite sure about that. But that's the reason it's in the papers this morning in, in quite some detail. And tragically, when we talk about weather conditions, isn't that the saddest story of the children who died in the icy lake in the UK? Is now, according to the Times UK this morning, it's now been announced that the 10-year-old boy, one of them who died, actually was attempting to save two other children that he did not know. He dashed into the water after seeing other boys who he didn't know falling through the ice. He died, the misfortune, uh, along with two others. He was 10 and the two other lads were only 8 and 11. And it's absolutely tragic. I should probably mention, as you're buying stuff uh, online, if you are, uh, to do your best to try and buy online companies that also have bricks and mortar or a bit of skin in the game in Ireland and be very wary of online influencers. Um, they're trying to sell you stuff because they're being paid commission to sell you stuff. And I'm not saying that all of it is bad, but there's a survey out now saying that a quarter of consumers who bought stuff uh, that was promoted by social media influencers went on to feel misled about the purchase. In fact, uh, 24% of them said that they regretted buying it and they felt deceived by the influencer's promotion of the product. So there's a big breakdown on the, um, you know, the ever-increasing amount of social media influencers who are you know, making pretty big money because they have, um, uh, you know, I guess they have contracts and they have, um, they work hand-in-hand hand with different companies who pay them to sell their products, by and large, fashion and, and makeup. Uh, and the world, of course, uh, we may well be going cashless, but we're also going totally and utterly checkless. I'm probably one of the few people, hands up out there, anybody still write checks? I do. Uh, I kind of like writing checks. I'm moving a lot towards Revolut now and, and things like that, I know. But I still have a checkbook, but apparently I'm in the dinosaur brigade with regards to that because very soon the banks won't even give you one anymore. Like like they won't give you most most things. They don't want to give you cash. They won't give you change. They won't put counters in where you can meet anybody. But are you struggling with Ratsha what to serve on breakfast morning? Um, you know, you might go for a bit of smoked salmon. You might go for maybe... Fill a steak, small little fill a steak with some uh, cubed roasted potatoes or something. I don't know. Nigella Lawson is suggesting this morning that we should be having the trifle for breakfast. She says it is perfect. 
the Christmas trifle. A perfect way to start the day because the cold, fruity dish is perfect for Christmas morning because there's no effort in it, high reward, and it's just a joyous thing. No effort in a trifle. I mean, she's just amazing that she makes everything look so effortless, but it ain't. I mean, it's a lot of work in a trifle. Uh, and the papers also, actually, I'd, be lo- I'd love if anybody had to come up with a good new movie because, um, you know, we end up watching the same ones over and over again. But the top 20, the top 40 uh, most rewatched festive movies make the marriage today. And right up there at number one is Home Alone. Yeah, I know. It's not bad. Home Alone. That's number one. The Snowman is number two. Love Actually, number three. Home Alone 2, number four. Elf, which is brilliant, at five. Die Hard, which isn't a Christmas movie, at six. A Christmas Carol, The The Nightmare Before Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street, and It's a Wonderful Life. So I'd go along with a few of those. A Wonderful Life for sure. Miracle on 34th Street, Elf. Christmas Carol, all of those. But you would think that the Grinch should be in the top ten, wouldn't you? You'd almost think that the Muppet Muppet Christmas Carol would be in there. Or maybe the Santa Claus. But I'm looking for a new one, one that I haven't seen before. Any takers? Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. We're saying wonderful, sending wonderful hampers to the four corners of the world, courtesy of ourselves and thepaddybox.com. You can actually go online to thepaddybox.com and pick out a hamper yourself to send overseas. If you haven't sent me an email, aren't lucky enough to win one of ours, you can just pick one up yourself. So we've designed our own ones. And uh, no more email now at this stage because uh, there's a cutoff date and I need to start drilling into winners at this stage but thank you to everybody that did email either overseas themselves or people who have family and friends overseas so our paddy box has Tanora in it yes it does it has Tato cheese and onion Barry's tea lots of chocolate Cadbury's dairy milk Jacob's club milks I think we put it we actually Actually, you know what? Scratch the club milks. We replaced those with the purple snack. Uh, the Ch- Jacob's Chocolate Kimberleys, the Fig Rolls, Boland's Custard Creams, loads of the old school sweet favourites, refreshers and stingers and wham bars and macaroons and stuff like that. Oatfield Emerald Caramels, McDonald's Curry Sauce, Spice Bag Mixers, Ballymaloo Relish and lots of other little goodies like that. So they're fabulous, fabulous hampers. So let's get stuck into some more emails, shall we? Here we go. Meanwhile... Hope you're well. I'm emailing to ask for one of your hampers for my friend Anna, who is originally from Cork, but currently working extremely hard and very long hours as a psychiatric nurse in Sydney. She wanted nothing more than to come home for Christmas this year to visit, but unfortunately the flights are far too expensive. She'll now spend Christmas in Sydney away from her family, says Nikita. She lost her grandmother last Christmas, sadly. She was her best friend. So this Christmas will be particularly hard, especially now that she won't be surrounded by family. She's the most beautiful person I know and deserves the very best. She's talking about her good friend, Anna. Thank you for the email, Nikita. I would love if you could give one of your hampers to my sister and brother who are both living in Sydney, Australia. My sister Lisa has been living in Australia for the past few years. Hasn't been home since she left. But my brother, Sean, just headed out in November, like so many others. So this is his first Christmas away from home. I would love to be able to send a little piece of home this Christmas. Uh, They're living with four other Irish lads who I know would really love the hamper as well. Love the show, says Emma Hickey in Ballady Hub. P.S. I'm the same Emma that was so close to winning Neil's five-star giveaway. So please, I need the win, says she. <laughs> I think there might be some good news with regards to that 10 grand prize, Emma. I think that the winner 
uh, might want to share just a little bit of it with you just a little bit so hopefully I have an update on that one um, I'd love to tell you about my son Jared he moved to Spain in April and was due to come home in October but he fell in love out there and instead moved to Southampton in July. It'll be his first Christmas away from home and our first family without him. He's chose to stay in England for Christmas because his girlfriend is working Christmas Day and he doesn't want her to come home to an empty house um, after working. Uh, he has, he's making new memories and seems very happy. As much as I would love to have him home, I'm glad he is settled and happy. His girlfriend's grandparents are Irish and they're always on about Tato's and Barry's tea. I know he would love a paddy box. It would make his first Christmas so special with the Irish goodies to remind him. Jared's an amazing son and brother. We lost Jared's dad six years ago when the boys were quite young. But Jared been a trooper and a huge support to us all. I really do believe he would love one of these and deserves it so much, says his ma'am, Lil Hurley. And then Susan says, I'd be so thrilled if you sent a paddy box to my son David and his boss Andy from Galway. They live in Gothenburg in Sweden. They listen to your program every day. They know more about what's happening in Cork than I do. You were talking about the Holly Bar recently and he told us all about it. I went out and bought one and sent it to him in Sweden. Yeah, he won't be back for Christmas and I know he'd love a hamper, says Susan. Happy Christmas. I have two family members across the world who would really appreciate your hampers this season. My son Nigel lives in Massachusetts. He's married to a girl uh, with uh, from there with two lovely children. Nidge is a great lad and loves his Irish food across the pond. Uh, but it's difficult to find or buy anything in Boston. Uh, please don't forget him. I also have a daughter married with uh, two daughters herself in Sydney for 20 years. Uh, and she would love a hamper also. And that's from Noreen Daly. One or two more. Hoping to get a hamper from my brother Joseph. He has lived in London for more than 40 years. And recently retired from the NHS. He's living alone and was due to come home for Christmas. We were all really looking forward to it as he hadn't been home in nearly 10 years. Sadly, he was recently diagnosed with heart problems and is too nervous to travel. As he can't come to us, it would be nice to send a bit of Ireland to him. He listens to your show every morning and has spoken to you several times on air. He loves to hear what's happening in Cork. The Holly Bough has already been posted. And just two more for now. Thanks so much for listening to my email about my sister Mary and Eva. I also have an older brother, Edward, who's in par- from Parklands, living in Vancouver with his wife, Michelle, and two gorgeous daughters. Their names are important too. They are, um, let me find their names now. Michelle, um, Emily, and Rebecca. He's stone mad crack. He's a huge snooker player. Uh, and he likes to think he can sing. Uh, our days and nights were always filled with tears of fun with him, and now he has a new life in Vancouver. He would kill for a pint of Guinness and a drop, but would settle for a bottle of Tanora. Thanks for that, Valerie Lynch, about your uh, um, sisters in Sydney and your brother Edward in Vancouver. And a final one, um, a chance of a hamper for my firstborn son, Corey. He left in September of this year to start a new life in Toronto. It'll be our first Christmas apart, and he'll be missed terribly. He was only, he's only 19 and he's made me very proud taking such a huge step in life. He's also getting a small surgery done and I think a hamper would cheer him up. So think of Paddy. Um, we'll be missing him here at home. He's missed by myself, his two sisters and his two brothers, says Tammy Kavanagh in Cork City. So I will endeavour to get through lots more of those across today and indeed the next few days and also have some calls on air um, of people who are either overseas or indeed um, have loved ones overseas and we'll start on that after the break. But first, yes, another Christmas classic from Brenda Lee. Rocking around 
I want to talk to Olive Wilson uh, down along uh, Clonakilty Way. Olive, good morning. Good morning. How and are you? I want to hear all about your daughter, Melissa, who's in Vancouver, Canada, I believe. Is that right? She's, she is. She's in Vancouver. She, um, she left in June. She went out working with the Challenger Sports. All right. Is she a big, uh, is she a big sports fan and trained in all of that, is it? Huge fan. Um, huge Liverpool fan. Fair play to um, So she, she was with us all over COVID, but she trained in Tralee. She did sports and leisure. Okay. So, so, fitness, so fitness, fitness is her career path. But you never got to say goodbye because I think you, you had COVID, did you? You couldn't hug her or anything. You know, we'd, I had COVID. Um, we, we escaped COVID all the, for the two and a half years. And uh, the week before Melissa left, my husband came home from the Donegal rally and uh, he brought COVID with him. He brought it <laughs> home from Donegal. Yeah, <laughs> Donegal COVID. So what was the goodbye like then? Literally, she just, she, I big plans. I was going to help her pack. What I wasn't going to do, I was locked in my bedroom. She just did it all herself. And uh, her dad was after, um, her dad was better. And uh, she said goodbye to her brother, sister, and... She just looked at me through the window. How did you feel? Even, even listening to you, I'm heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. And our, I suppose the biggest thing with it was to protect her because, you know, we were so afraid that she'd get it. Um, and, you know, starting her journey. But thanks be to God, she didn't. She didn't I know, get it, so. I know. But yeah, it, 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 it must, was, it must it was have been tough. really down about that period, though, not being able oh, to say goodbye. Too. Sit at the table, have a cup of tea, final chat, a hug, yeah. take her to the airport, stuff like that. Oh, like we, had, we were meant to be going to, to for, out for dinner as a family. Everything got. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everything got. Oh, my God. Anyway, you recovered yeah. and off she went. On her own, I believe. She went on her own, solo, and uh, she landed in Toronto. And then she met a team of people there that, you know, like herself, um, some of them like had friends, and uh, but she was on her own, and she just kept saying to me, "I'm going on this journey. Everything that I do, I'm just going to push myself beyond my boundary and just do it." So, and th- and that's what she has done, you know. Yeah, and I know at one stage she was enjoying trailer park living for a few weeks. Was she? What was that like? Well, she, so she she did her challenger sports for for the three months, and then she had her two year visa. So she said, "Mom, I think I'm going to stay for a little while." So a woman she met along the way had a friend living in Alberta, or sorry, in British Columbia, and she said, she must go and stay with her for two weeks and see if you can find some accommodation. And if you can't, then fair enough. Okay. So she went and lived in the trailer park. She said it was an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah. It was a community on its own. Yeah. Um, and they just embraced her totally embraced her. Okay, so she went from one side of the country all the way to the other side of the country, she got did. out of the trailer park, got her own accommodation and is working in a car parts company, I think, is that it? She's working in a car parts company, but like I, I fell in love. For no problem. Fell in love. The, the <laughs> no, not that part yet, no? Uh, no, no, no. The jobs were the jobs were no problem, but the accommodation was a huge problem. I know, I know. Yeah, Same yeah, old yeah. story. And very um, expensive. She's loving life, and she sent me a picture last night because her sister sent her out some tatoes, and she has a Christmas tree up, and her Christmas decorations are tato packets. <laughs> she's a big fan then of the tato crisps. <laughs> fan. What she's else fan. is she missing? Incidentally, do we know? Cadbury's well, chocolate, we, we, Barry's tea, stuff like that. Oh, like she, I, she loves chocolate. Like she is a total chocolate addict, and uh, she just, you know, 
she 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 misses home, but she said that it's just an amazing place, you know. Yeah, I know. Place. Um, I I just I just wonder as well uh, how available Irish produce is uh, in Canada. Has she man- managed to ferret out any she shops in BC? Actually, no, she actually hasn't. She has she hasn't um, come across any very very little Irish produce. No, it's I just mean, that my my sister who lives in Australia down Sydney way was Instagramming me uh, or last night, sending me a link where you can get everything Irish down there called Taste Ireland. It's a, a, a site, okay. an Instagram site, and you can order stuff up. I was just wondering if the same was in, in Canada or in the, in the States. Well, Cause, and because the chocolate doesn't taste the same anyway over there, so it doesn't. No, it doesn't. She yeah. says that. She says that it doesn't. And she, um, she, I sent her over some crisps maybe in October, and she says, Mom, they all came over. They were so crushed, I just <laughs> put them into a sandwich. <laughs> do you know what you do with, cr- with crushed crisps? Throw a bag of peanuts into them. Oh, she'd love that. Give them a good shake and they're just breakfast, lunch and dinner all in a bag. But listen, just on the basis, and lots of other aspects of his story, but on the basis that you couldn't say goodbye, as Mammy's saying goodbye to her daughter Mm. because you had COVID, I would love to send Melissa one of our hampers to cheer cheer you up. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Neil, I really appreciate it. She'll be absolutely thrilled. So share Um, the news with her. Yeah, I um, I just texted her yesterday. I rang her yesterday to say that the what I had that I had applied, you know. Yeah. And she said, "Mom, I'm so proud of you that you, that my email was read out on the radio." <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was, and it results in one of our paddybox.com hampers. So yeah, happy Christmas to you. Happy Thank Christmas you so to much. Melissa. You're more than welcome. Thanks to the team, and thanks, thanks, Neil. Appreciate. It. Happy Christmas. Have to a everyone. great one. That's on Thank the way. So She'll get it, and bye she'll bye. get it this side of Christmas too. So no worries there, Olive. All the best. Cheers. Bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I got a lovely handwritten long letter, beautiful letter with a great backstory to it from Eileen O'Donovan about her sister-in-law, a pal of hers down through the years. It goes back to the 1960s. Eileen joins me by phone. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Lovely chatting with you. You too, Neil. I have, a le- I have a letter here and I could be writing forever, but the thoughts are going under the radio is another thing. That's well, you wrote, a, you wrote a damn fine letter about Anne McCarthy out in New Jersey, Anne so you did. That's right. She was from Newark's Park in Ballinlock, Neil. How old would she, she be now, do you mind me asking? She's 78 now, Neil. Okay. And back in the 1960s, all of 90- you guys... 1963, yeah. pick up the story. Yeah. You'd all go 19- dancing and there they, was... They went dancing down to the arcade, yeah. There was one particular story down the arc where Chubby Checker was playing. Chubby go ahead. Chubby Checker was playing, that's right. And while they had a great night below there, there was this handsome soldier in uniform came over to dance her. But he swept her off her feet and she was only 19 years Now, what's interesting the about this, okay, we'll come to answer that, yeah. but he was a soldier in uniform, but not from Collins yeah. Barracks. He was an American no, soldier. he was an American soldier. His name was Stephen McCarthy and he was originally from Granabarra. Right, okay. But and what was an American soldier doing in uniform in the Arcadia in 1963? Because he had leave. He was after coming home to hear the sister, Mary McCarthy, that lived on the top of the hill in Grown. Right. And he had come home for a couple of days to see her. Wasn't he, wasn't he a smart man to go dancing in his American yeah. uniform, though, huh? When he swept Anne off her feet. <laughs> he actually swept her off her feet. And she was only 19 at the time. Go away. But like that, he had only a few days' leave. 
after the, he, he made it, that was on, on a Saturday night. Did they meet Sunday? Did they meet Monday? They met Sunday night, they met Monday night, they met Tuesday night, <laughs> but he had to leave on Wednesday to go back to the army. Oh, they must have been both heartbroken, were they? I, I tell you now, she was only 19 now, think of that, Neil, you know. They wrote to one another for a couple of months and didn't they come back again the following year in 1964 in oh, June. Fair play, and, he so. ma- and he asked her to marry him that Christmas. So that whole year in the interim was just letters back and forth, maybe letters the odd, maybe the odd phone call? No, she, he came back in June in 1964, Neil. And he asked that her to marry June, him a year and he later. he asked him to marry her at Christmas. Well, like, technically and only after three dates over a weekend. That's about it, Neil. You have it in one. You have it in one. So, she asked, he asked her to marry her. He checked with I, her dad, I suppose, did he? He did, he did. <laughs> but to tell you the truth, Neil, her dad was brokenhearted because he, um, he had reared... His three kids, there was two brothers and Anne, and he had reared his three kids himself. He was a great father because his wife died when they were all young. Oh, no. And oh, yeah, right. and he, it broke his heart, Neil, but he couldn't... You said to me in the letter that, you, you, that he said he never thought that she would leave him because he was never such a great father. Thought, and, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Never thought she'd leave him, but... Um, she did. She got married that Christmas night, Neil, in 1964. I wonder where she got I, married, though, Eileen. What, love? I wonder where did she get married? Where was the reception? Oh, the reception was up at the country club. Everyone got married to the country club, didn't they? She got married in the country club and she was... She got married in Ballinlock Church. Right, of course she would, just oh, around the corner from did. where she lives. She got married in... La- she did, she did, she did. And um, she left then in January... To go with Steve back over to America. Ah, that's um, a great life for her. her but her, her poor never, her dad never saw her anymore after that meal. Oh, that's hard because it, that. it'd be one thing to get married and move from Ballinlock to maybe yeah. I don't know Bishopstown yeah. or something, but to get yeah. married and move to America, and he never that's did. He pass away. He, he passed away twelve months after me. Did he? He passed away twelve months after. It was a sad case, actually. He was actually he was actually in a car with another um, man, actually a friend of his that was good to him, and his that man's children, and they were in an accident, and the two men were killed coming home from Dunman Winnie, and poor Anne couldn't come home for her dad's um her dad's death because Winnie she was about. Eight months or seven months or something pregnant. The tragedy of it. Mom, it was a terrible tragedy. The tragedy. And and was strong. She she must have been strong at that stage, you know. Okay, but okay. And and she settled down. Did she, she have? She settled down over in the USA, Neil. Did she and have she kids? Had, she had three kids: two girls and a boy. And she lost her son when he was thirty, Neil. God. She lost her son when he was thirty, and it broke their hearts. No, she's still over in America, but her brother Michael, which was my husband, yeah, right, yeah. Her husband, he took sick in 2015 in December, and she came home to see him before he died. But do you know the sad thing about it, Neil? What? She was 50 years married in December, and she was over here, and her husband was over in America because he was too unwell to 
travel. Stephen couldn't travel for, and he was he at home. She was here for the for 50th. He, he was over there, but she came all the way had, back. No, oh, the they had to wait for, she had to wait to celebrate that when she went back. And poor old Stephen so, passed away? Stephen passed her, the love of her life passed away in 2018. You know, so she had she had a sad life to me. She had a sad life because it, it broke both of their hearts, but she was in love with Steve sure and li- nothing stopped her. Uh, sure, life is a bumpy road, isn't it? Life is a bumpy road, Neil, you know. And I didn't but ask like, you a single thing about your own life and how things went for you. Well, I hope. Oh, they, thank God. My poor, she came home for her brother, yeah. which was my husband. And Mike got sick in 2015. He was only 11 weeks sick. He got bone cancer on me. And he was, he was taken on me, love. He was. That would be, that's eight years on the 1st of February coming. But I'm in contact with Anna all the time. And she's, Anna never, even though she's, she's 78 now, Neil, and she's 50 odd years over, 56 years over or something. And she'd never changed. She had no accidents or nothing. <laughs> accident. <laughs> and what does she, what does she miss? Because you were telling me in your letter, oh, you were geez, mentioning Barry's tea and crunchies and tato crisps. Crunchies, tato crisps and lines of tea. Jesus and Neil, when she was come, when she was come home, okay, she was be full going back. I know the way. Um, she came home then a couple of times and stayed with me. She did, but you know she hasn't actually come home now since 2015, since her brother died. Well, you need to meet again. You know, time is oh, ticking. I'd love to meet again. I know it is because I'm going on for eighty myself. You're get on a plane in the spring and go out out to her. With the help of God, Neil, I hope I will love in the name of, you know, and with the help of God, she might come home. We'd love to see one another from one Well, now, one Eileen, another. one of you have to make the first move. I know, and she has a friend here, Kathleen O'Brien, and Kathleen is the same. She said she'd love to see Anne just one more time, I you know, know? I know, and I know. And I believe that Kathleen O'Brien was also in the... Same club at the same time, down in the ark. Did Kathleen get swept off her feet at all, no? Kathleen is swept off her feet, but not gone to America. (laughs) (laughs) And how will you be fixed on Christmas Day? And how will will, um, Anne be fixed on Christmas Day? On Christmas Day, because my daughter will come to me, love. My daughter will come to me. And uh, she has two kids. So I'll be all right, don't worry. Once I have company, Neil, I'll be grand, ah, sure, you know? I, know, I, know, I, I know. will love, I'll be grand. But you know something, I was saying every year, I must write, I must write, I must write. Well, but I'm, this year I said, I'm, my, I'm going to write this time, Neil. Well, I'm going to send... an email. Yeah, I'm going... No, never mind the emails. Handwritten letters are lovely. I love getting handwritten thank letters. You, so thank, thank you for you that, so Eileen. Much. I'm going to send a hamper today oh, in the God. post to Anne O'Donovan. In okay. New Jersey, USA. USA, that's perfect. Mate. Oh my God! And does I'm she know? Answer. Does she know that you're going to be? Did, did she know you were going to be talking to me? No, I didn't. I was just said I won't say anything in case things wouldn't work out. Oh, mate, you know. Well, you need to you tell know. her and make sure that make sure I she gets to, to hear this. Her. Yeah. I will, of course, Neil. Oh, listen to me. You're a gem. No, no. Thanks you, so much, Neil. You're, you're I'm a dose. Delighted. Yeah. I'm delighted, Neil, because the thing about it is I never thought I could write 
such a letter because spending in the whole hour <laughs> not the best letter. You are the I best. It's absolutely, I it's a beautiful letter. Mean. It's much easier I, to write an email because it'll correct your spelling and everything, but a handwritten it letter means, is a beautiful yeah. thing, just like you are. So Eileen, that's, that's sorted. Um, right. Get in touch Can with Anne and tell her I that if the postman calls with a big yes. box, accept yes. it. Tell her it's not a bomb, oh. it's a hamper. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hope you have a grand Christmas and and a, a happy new year to you. you too. Thank you so You're much. You're a treasure, Eileen. Oh, happy okay. Christmas to you. Thank you. Bye bye. God bless. Bye Take bye care. Now. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from six on Corks Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Laurie Stock on under Blackpool Bridge. Somebody sent me a screen grab of it. So uh, you might be delayed in that area. And please give a big shout out to my mother, Mrs. Breda Leahy. She's only 92 years young and still goes around the house like a 21-year-old, doing everything for herself. Sometimes, you know, says her son Jimmy, sometimes I think she's half robot. She got through covid she had 16 kids, nine sons and seven daughters. She has 50 grandkids and 70-odd great-grandkids. <laughs> Somebody should get around to counting the great-grandkids at some stage and get an accurate figure. She's a small woman in size, Neil, but has the heart as big as a mountain. A great sense of humour. She could tell you a story about the old days and make you laugh. To the world, she may be one person, but to all her family, she is the world. We think the world of her. Hope you get to read this out. Have a nice day. Take care, says her son, Jimmy. What an incredible woman. I'd love to have a chat on air with uh, Breda Lee here, man, because she does sound like a very interesting... And anyone with a sense of humour takes my box every time. So, morning to you. I hope you have a great day today, Breda. They all love you. There's well over 100 of them. And then uh, other texts. And I see some people recommending Christmas films to watch. The Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2. They're all on Netflix. They're brilliant. Somebody else suggests the same two films. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's an oldie but a goodie. Santa Claus the Movie with John Lithgow and Dudley Moore is my favourite of all time. Another oldie but goodie, says Niamh and y'all. And this is what I would recommend for you this Christmas. Fat Man with Mel Gibson. Is that a Christmas movie? I've taken your word for it. And then my conversation with Eileen, talking about Anne out in New York, in New Jersey. I'm roaring listening to that lady. She's just so nice. Morning, Neil. What a beautiful story from Eileen. I love the old stories. Older people have amazing stories. Uh, And one more here. Wouldn't it be a really great uh, thing if there was a surprise reunion? It would be wonderful. And thank you, Neil. Thoroughly enjoyed listening to Eileen's story. What a beautiful soul. So thank you for those stories. Let me just get one more story on the air as we send hampers to the four corners of the world. And this is a lovely story told by Liam Condon on behalf of his wife and the family about two daughters who were overseas. Liam, good morning. Hi, Neil. Hi. I'm good, good my man. You're in Ballyvalan, I believe. Isn't that the case? Well, I, I'm in work in Blackpool at the moment. Don't in Mr. Windscreen, but I have from Ballyvalan. All right. Starting everybody's windscreens. Now, Amanda and Neve are in Australia. One went and the other followed. Is that right? That's it. Amanda immigrated in 2011, August, I think, 2011. And Neve followed the rose. It's October this year. For one year. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when, when Amanda went first... She went with pals on her own to work or what? Yes, yeah, she went for her then boyfriend, husband, no, Anthony Fenton. And they went out to their friends, Rebecca and Lenny, they're from Grand Bar. So they went out for 
they were hoping 12 months to pick up a bit of work and 11 years on still there Why'd they stay do you think? Did they ever tell you why the reason was they stayed beyond the one year? Well I, I'd reckon the lifestyle because we've been over there a few times and the lifestyle is brilliant it is you, know, you can get up in the morning it's sunny yeah, <laughs> and does work and like no, in Australia if you work hard you're rewarded that's that's what I unfortunately I the case here is if you work hard you're penalised hard yeah, you can, un- yeah, you can exactly. kind of understand why so and since Amanda and Neve went many other young people have left and good luck to them oh it's it's unreal Neil I do job we just said discos the weekend there I work doing discos well done and the amount of going away parties it's back again it, it actually is go away are you a jock then yeah. that plays clubs and what have you just bars and you know when they went all those years ago they would never ever have had an opportunity to get enough money together to pay the crazy house prices here but they managed to do it there didn't they at least Amanda did anyway they did they got a mortgage there is it two years ago they're living John Loop and it's the north side of Perth. Uh, it's a lovely area. Like we we were over there last March. Just we left back over there and do when the COVID. You're dead right. Stopped. You're dead so right. We, yeah. we had a good crack. You know the whole lot. And three kids: but, Charlie, Aria, and Millie. That's it. And Aria broke her leg there yesterday. She broke a bone or just below her knee. Well, we might, we, we might have something to cheer her up then in a few minutes' time. And tell me, after that then, Neve decided to go. And this will be your first Christmas in like 36 years without family around you. Yeah, we'll have no one in the house. This is the first time in oh, 36 years. Yeah. Has, has that got its Christmas upsides morning. at all? Any upsides to that? No, I'll have to talk to her. <laughs> Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> First time in 36 years you can have a, a conversation together without screaming kids. I hope she's not listening. Bellowing up and down the stairs. <laughs> and I know that the kids, particularly Aria, has a love of cork things, right? Particularly Tato, I believe. Oh, Tato's, yeah. She loved the Tato's. Every time we looked at her, she had a pack of crystal hands. <laughs> So <laughs> I say she'd be really looking forward to it. Yeah, there is a, there is an online Instagram and website actually where you can get all sorts of Irish stuff out there. I was mentioning earlier on Taste Ireland, it's called. Might be worth checking out. But listen, I want to send them a hamper. There's a lot of them to talk into it though. Will Amanda and Neve be together at Christmas time? Oh, the art Neve is staying with Amanda, with our boyfriend Thomas. He's on a year break there from the or two year break from the army. Right. So. I, I I was thinking he'd be back in three weeks, but he's absolutely loving it over there. <laughs> he's working hard, but he's loving it. They're young. They need to spread their wings, and they need to yeah. enjoy life. So they'll have a busy house then in Perth on Christmas morning, won't they? There'll be an Amanda, oh. Neve, partners, three children. Oh, it'll be unreal. Like, and they have a small little community over there as well. They have a lot of friends you know, living in you know, in that area. Yeah, I know. I know we'll have turkey and ham, but... There's kind of juries out as to whether the Australians do. I don't quite sure. Maybe they might barbecue the turkey. What do you think? <laughs> no, they will have the turkey in hand. Probably down to the beach after. <laughs> I think the weather is going to be fairly good over there for Christmas. Yeah, we could go to the beach too, but we'd need a wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, are, are they listening? Do you know? Or do they know you're on air? They do. They should be listening at this day, at this time. All right. Well, you want to give them a big shout out and tell them that there's I a do. big hamper on the way, particularly for Aria. It's chock full of chocolate and tato crisps. Yeah, Aria. There's some crisps on the way over to you and some tanora. They never taste a tanora, so hopefully they like it. That'll be fun, won't it? The taste of tanora for the first time. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I know you just said that she recently broke her leg, so it's a nice little pick me up for her and all of the family, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. Yeah, uh, he was talking to her this morning. She's fairly shuffed with her. What you call it? The, uh, the cast. The yeah, I know. The cast, I know yeah. yeah, yeah. Getting so everybody to sign it. You'll see them in March, though. I think. Will you? We're going out the twenty sixth of February for a month. So. Well, they have two wonderful things to look forward to. Your trip in March and our Paddy Box hamper, which should arrive in the next week or so. So I'm delighted to be part of, uh, you know, brightening up their lives with some tastes of Ireland and particularly tastes of Cork. All right? Perfect, Neil. David Chuff. Thanks very much. What's your wife's name, actually? I didn't get the name. Caroline. Caroline and Liam. So delighted. Happy Christmas to you. Delighted for all the family overseas. And enjoy Christmas Day, the two of you. No problem, and the same to yourself and the crew there. All Thanks right. very much, Neil. All Thank the you. best. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Can I just remind you, if you're not lucky enough to win one of our hampers on air, you still have time to ship a box of Irishness around the globe. Just when you get a moment, check out thepaddybox.com and you can just flick down, just page down on all the different hampers, all of the different things that you can pick and choose, or the pre-made, ready-made-to-go hampers, if you so choose, and all of the different prices. And it all includes uh, delivery. 180 countries worldwide, so definitely they'll be able to send it to your loved one, wherever they are. And we're sending them to the four corners, we really are. Uh, got some more emails and texts and calls to do over the next couple of days. So check that out, thepaddybox.com. Merry Christmas, darling, wherever you are. The late Les Gray and Mud. I love the harmonies on that. I was a big Mud fan. Lonely this Christmas. Hopefully it won't be too lonely for Liam and Caroline Condon at home in Ballyvalan with uh, her two daughters and extended family in Australia. Uh, and a lovely hamper on the way. The next time you hear a Christmas song, sometime between now and midday today, there is a 200 euro voucher in it, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle the Jewellers. Family run business and they've been looking after people on Leaside for 60 years now, for all occasions. And of course, Christmas is a big occasion so they've got the service right they've got the expertise and they're waiting for you if you're looking for a gift this Christmas time Michelle the Jewellers Patrick Street a 200 euro voucher caller 9 always wins uh, Christmas on sometime between now and midday get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM back to text and emails as well as calls but I want to chat to Liam Liam good morning Morning. Uh, uh, a couple of different points you were interested in. One was um, the elderly, how they're at risk, senior citizens, a lot of the time in their own home. We chatted about that yesterday, right? Yes. And the other point then had to do with uh, Michal Martin saying he's going to change legislation now to make people safer with regards to uh, conducting their own business in private and not having videos shared like happened to Leo Varadkar on social media. Yes, as regards Leo Dare, I believe a politician's uh, private life should be private. So I believed there was no um, thing. Nobody has a right to put up. If if Leo goes out and does his thing um, in the night in a nightclub, uh, I believe that that's completely okay. Now, where there is no, I have no problem with if Leo was seen inside in a hotel or whatever with some um, business person and there's some underhanded thing going on uh, that people may need to share, um, that's probably a different thing. But if a person goes out in his own time and socialise, I believe that that should not have been uh, put there and it was very wrong. So what Hall is doing today um, with 
bringing in this legislation, um, I believe it, 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 something needs to be done because I hear on different programmes at times, um, you know, stuff coming up with politicians and uh, it's uncalled for there. Um, it's a ruthless job. You saw that mm. politics is ruthless, but like it doesn't need to go to that level. Um, like, as I said, Leo... Uh, well, you see, now, some people have questioned, you know, his, his judgment in that incident, say, for instance, in the, in the nightclub, have questioned his judgment to be Taoiseach if that's his behaviour in private. Yeah, but it's, like, no, it's not. But, notwithstanding, it is his own business. I understand that, but that's what people like. Do, you, do you, here's here's a couple of texts for you. Liv Veradkar is a public figure and is such and as such is not entitled to privacy. Says Owen. Another person says it's not good enough for him to do this. He holds high office, which he should not. Uh, he cannot do and act in public that way. And somebody else says, have you forgotten what happened to the Finnish prime minister who was partying and the video was shared? There was a huge backlash to that. We've actually stopped short in this country of actually saying what went on in the nightclub. And I think the reason we stopped short is because it was his own privacy. It was his own business. You know what I mean? But in other countries, they wouldn't stop short. Yeah, but like when you'd be talking about stuff being shared online, like you saw that golf gate and party gate and most of the people that went to them, and this is what I was talking about earlier, all, n- none of that got into the domain of who was actually at these events. And that was serious stuff because we all know that that was what I'm talking about no, we earlier. Didn't, we did know who was at it, chapter and verse. Well, we kind of heard a nod name, uh, you know, the ones that got sacked or whatever, or, or so-called resigned, and the way they're reinstated. So I have serious problems with the way that whole thing was handled. Well, I I suppose the rule of thumb usually is, is it in the public interest? Is the video from the nightclub and Leo Varadkar in it and the what happened in there is it in the public interest? You would say no. It's, it's not, to be honest with you. And okay. I, I haven't seen the video, so I don't know what they're talking about. But what I'm saying is if some person goes out, if you go out, say, in the night to a nightclub, you're entitled to do what you like in there. Uh, and I know people might say, oh, he's a Red FM presenter and whatever, and he should control himself. That's on the old bull. When you go outside the door of Red FM, your private life should be private. And whatever you do is... Um, uh, does shouldn't come into question. How in the name of God would Michal Martin be even able to control what people share? Is he suggesting that everybody will be fined, get a knockdown from the Gardaí for a TikTok post or an Instagram video? You see, you, you, they bring in these things, and I know it um, in the past. There's loads, and you've probably heard it more times. There's loads of laws here, but there's no enforcement. So um, he'll bring in something that won't be enforced or uh, be very difficult to enforce. And you saw that on your show there yesterday. There's a lot of stuff going on here and um, that they need to get into and should get into for the well-being of the people here. Yeah. But they won't get into it. So we're great in this country for bringing in laws but we're very slow um, to have anybody to implement the laws. Yeah, but do we need that? I mean, somebody said by text, this government is just looking for any excuse they can find to censor everything. And our democracy in so many different ways is slowly being taken away from us. That's an interesting point, isn't it? 
it is because I believe it is. And like where I had a problem there, the, um, uh, they came out there uh, lately as saying that you don't have a right to who moves in beside you. You bloody do have a, a right. If your life is going to be impacted by somebody moving in beside you, by all means, you have a right um, to uh, object to it. Well, if there's, so if, there's a history behind, if there's a history behind whoever is moving in next door to you, have a right. And like that comment there that it is being eroded, it is being eroded. I, I believe in the end um, this country is going down uh, a very bad path and as I said, that's why I wanted to come on this morning. Um, I believe that um, these politicians have been very highly paid and they should be doing an awful lot. And you have a T-shirt there, uh, a cork person as well. Um, if he's not going to do it for the rest of the country, uh, surely what came up on your show yesterday must hit a heartstring by anybody yeah, that has we, any bit of decency we just want people who are who, We just want people who are caught by Angarda Shikona, found guilty in a court of law for the crimes that were committed on air yesterday morning, Go to jail. That's what people want. That's what they want. Well, it's very simple. What people want is it to stop. I don't know about going to jail because you know yourself there. As I said, it's just a merry-go-round. Um, uh, jail and all this kind of thing. We have a system that's just failing in so many ways. Why do you and think that Sinn Féin in government would be the wrong thing? Now, what I'm hearing, and I want, I'm not anti-Sinn Féin, and I probably want to say this as well I'm not anyway politically affiliated with anybody okay? okay but any of the media that I've heard in relation to Sinn Féin they have um, backed up and spoke about and uh, these people are way ahead of the curve and I believe that this is the people that uh, they will represent you know what do you mean now, by I can't follow any of that what do you mean by that um, I'm hearing stuff on the media and I'm hearing that they're talking up on behalf of certain people and I, um, you know, that they're right or this and that has been um, eroded and they're not being given this and they're not being given that. I'm hearing all this on the media, okay? Now, what I'm saying as well, uh, the other parties uh, can't walk away from this either. Um, I know even with some of the instances and what I talked to you about a minute ago uh, as regards people being put in beside you, I know personally there's there's political parties as well that actually uh, uh, went about putting certain people into certain states. Did it happen to you? They're not, they're not Sinn Féin. Did it happen to you? It happened to me, yes. Okay. I can't go into the detail of it, but did it... You can't, did, did, and I don't want to, because right. as I said, um, but I have a serious thing about um, these people that are supposed to have a heart and are supposed to be a run in our country and are supposed to have concerns for the people in this country. Okay. What came up on your show yesterday highlighted the insensitive and the way these people, and you'll be talking about somebody uh, doing something outside um, when they finish work or whatever. These politicians can go to their bed at night time and not even blink an eyelid as what, what, what was highlighted on your show yesterday. And I think... This, this is the petrol bombing we, incident, one in particular in Ballyvalan. Yeah. Well, okay. I said what really got to me yesterday okay. was that man there and he telling the person that he was uh, saving the money for his wife's health. And that person, like, had uh, done that to that, that man. That was a break-in uh, for like €4,000. Went upstairs like, with him, that was, took that his was money. Hard. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. person that done that, as I said, um, there's serious uh, problems there with that person that done that. 
Okay. Um, because, as I said, if you had any bit of decency at all in you, when the story, and I know they probably hear stories of everyone, but the way it was done, and then when this came up, uh, it continued along with it. Like, I, I don't know what kind of a person would actually do that. Uh, but, like, where I have a problem is, if we do decide to change government, and we do, do decide to put in people, who are we putting in? But I, I, in saying that, like, I... I, I yeah, but what's the big now, deal? Look what we've been putting in for 100 years. Years. So surely a change is needed, isn't it? A change is needed, and Sinn Féin are saying all this about the ch- people at the last election voted for change. They voted for change to get to, to have people to deal with the issues that came up on your show yesterday. That's the kind of change that people voted for. You don't think and that Sinn Féin would be strong on crime, is it? I don't think they will be, okay. and I don't think any of them will be, because as I said, um, Michal Merton and the rest of them are all um, having their nice easy day and not dealing with the issues. But these issues have to be dealt with, okay. as I okay. said. Now, it's just uh, in the, your text you said, you can't let Sinn Féin into government because a lot of their followers support this type of behaviour of sharing videos about people in their private life. Do you really believe that? I, I don't know. I know um, at the moment there's an awful lot going on um, as regards, uh, you know, trying to knock out. Uh, and as I said to you earlier, politics is dirty. So you so believe like, that it was the, intentional, that there was it was motivated politically? Uh, I suppose there's a, there is. As I said, politics, um, even with the stuff that's coming up with Leo, that's all po- uh, even internally within his own party. And that's a, a tough going. Okay. Even within his own party, he okay. has that going on. And what you have even within his own party is you have people trying to slur him. And what it is, is uh, a race to the top. You Let know? me get some more and thoughts on this, Liam. But thank you for your contribution. Appreciate it. We covered a lot of ground. Michael, you, you believe that that video was intentionally released, is it? 100%. I'm not going to get too much into the video because, again, I don't want to infringe on Leo Bradford's private life. But he looked directly at that camera and then carried on with the act or whatever, right? Mara, well, we leave that alone. And he looked yeah, intentionally we'll alone, at the camera. But, uh, yeah. At the start of the video, he looked directly at the camera. It was intentional. And my my point is, no, I could be wrong. No, I mean, you, you, you think, point, hang on, let's be fair here. You think he did, but this is a, a busy nightclub <laughs> with dark lighting. The man could have been looking anywhere. Okay, right. I agree with that. But there's he's trying. They're they're trying to get bring in these hate speech laws, and in order to do that, someone has to become an example. And who better than Leo Varadkar? That's pretty hoping, far. That's pretty that far out there. And, uh, you know what? I mean, I, okay, that that that's your belief. I, I I mean, I I can't back that up in any way, shape, or form. Same the same oh, no, same video. The same video like, as you. Well, I mean, you know. The thing for me, though, is that Micheál Martin is now thinking of changing legislation regarding social media and sharing of private videos because it happened to Leo Varadkar. I mean, that's pretty... Okay, right, but there's no, there's no talk about, like, everything is traceable. The person who put that up on TikTok can be traced. How come there's no talk about bringing this person to justice? There's nothing about it. It's all about these hate speech laws. There's nothing about the, the, the man that put it up. Yeah, but like, I, I wonder, has, has a law actually been broken, though, in the sense that it was in a private place, it was in a public place, as in people went into the nightclubs, a public place, everybody's over 18, videos get shared all of the time. How, how would you prosecute somebody for that? Neil, he's a grown man. He can do what he wishes. Yeah. But come on, he's the head of state. 
he should be he should have more cop on okay more cop on alright okay All right. thanks a lot Michael cheers just on that morning I'm sick of hearing and seeing videos of Leo and what happened at the weekend will people just get a grip on reality there are people um, involved in this carry on day in day out just because he's in politics doesn't mean he's not human and why would somebody record him anyway get a life people says Mags in Ballyvalan. Uh, one other one then. I messaged you regarding to that person who told you, oh yes, somebody told me to retire on Friday because I'm so 2008. Uh, that person who said that is in Cuckoo Land. All this uproar about Leo Varadkar doing his thing in a nightclub is an absolute joke. He's a human being just like the rest of us. And what about the sneaky rat who recorded Leo in the nightclub? This person is obviously got issues themselves and I don't know what they wanted to achieve by recording it and uploading it. I have a female friend who was self-harming, depressed and suicidal. Then she met the love of her life. Now she is the happiest I have ever seen her. What the hell is wrong with people being in love? No matter what sex, same sex, doesn't matter. Are we seriously begrudging somebody for their sexuality? I have no problem with Leo for what happened in that nightclub. If I have an issue with Leo, it's the way the country is being run at the moment. That's it. What he does outside of office doesn't interest me and it shouldn't interest anyone else up there on their high horse. The person who told you to quit and everybody else complaining about this should come into 2022 and catch up with the world because they're living in the Stone Age. They obviously have stuff going on in their own lives to say that this is what they have to complain about. We all know that Leo Varadkar is a gay man. So gay men obviously hang out with other gay men. This is not a surprise. This isn't breaking news. People need to get a life and move on for the love of God. By the way, I'm a straight man myself, but don't give out my details if you get to read this. And I have done. And thank you for your email to neil at redfm.ie. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Tell you about the young Irish man living in a tent. Uh, got another update from a um, person down your way. He says, yes, there is a young Irish man living in a tent in an abandoned shop doorway. He's very proud. He's just down on his luck. I know this is common to see in the city, but in y'all, it's very uncommon. This lad won't accept accept money. People have been passing his tent, zipping it down, throwing in money and running away because he just won't accept it. Imagine being out in that cold. I'm not racist, I'm all for equality, but if he was a young male refugee, he'd be in the quality hotel down the road. My daughter recently got a jo- offered a job as a night porter to tend to the refugees as some of them enjoy espressos and Americanos at four in the morning. It's crazy stuff. Why can't we house our own? By the way, this young man is from Cork City. He feels safer on the streets of y'all rather than in the city. The people of y'all have been great, but as I said, he's too proud to accept anything. The poor misfortune, a real life story. Now, people have issues with regards to their rights, as you heard earlier, being eroded, you know, uh, more more laws, you know, infringing on people's democracy. I understand that. And I also understand that a text like that will probably get people calling her a, a racist. Uh, but I think people have freedom uh, and they worry that their freedom is being eroded in the sense that one is not allowed to have a point of view on anything these days without being branded in some way a word. And often and too often it's it's racist. Uh, 086, you can text 086-8104-106. And then 
uh, on our rights being eroded, there was a real typical example of that, many would say, with the €20,000 fine on the FAI because the Irish soccer players, the girls, sang um, a verse of a song, Ooh, uh, Up the Ra, celebrating the fact that they're going to the World Cup. Many were saying that the fine should not be paid. And lots were giving examples then of other countries, and I went through all of those. Um, you should suss out Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, the anthem that rings out for England. That is all about slavery. And yet they sing it all the time. But on whose side are they singing for? I believe it's the slaves. Am I right? Uh, so we could sing Ooh, Ah, up the insert racial slur and only pay five grand, is it? What a bargain. Yeah, that's a comparison with other clubs that were fined for other things which resulted in a five grand fine, but the girls got fined 20 grand. We are being sanitised in regards to our IRA history, yet our leaders lay wreaths for these people regularly. But anything nationalist that's said nowadays is deemed to be offensive. The PC world has gone too powerful. Gary Owen is a long-standing rugby club in Limerick and Sean South is a song that sang regularly across all sports, including rugby. Have a listen. UEFA finds the FAI for chanting Ooh, uh, up the ra, but finds Sevilla five grand for racist chanting. So much for showing the racist red card there. Red card there. And one final one. All soccer fans should boycott the FAI for paying the fine. There is worse happening in football all over the world, but the FAI are a disgrace for not allowing players to sing. Nothing was meant by it. Um, and then, of course, others are making the example of Fairy Tale of New York with particular lines in the Christmas song being beeped out. God give me patience, says Eilish. It's tough to be Irish. It's tough to be Irish when people think you're English. I was telling you earlier in the week, uh, this is um, just a clip of American news television where they're discussing um, uh, McGregor, um, and the, Conor McGregor, and there is a bit of a disagreement as to where he's from because the lead anchor is claiming that um, Conor McGregor is actually English or British, part of the UK. It just goes to show that some people overseas, and we might be the same about particular parts of the world, but you would think that the Americans would know better. Have a listen. I don't want to get too geopolitical, but is Ireland in the UK? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Northern, Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. Was Connor on the How list? Do you He's not from the list. UK. Yes, he is. He's not, it's not from the UK, Laura. Yes, Northern Ireland. Not Northern Ireland. The United not Kingdom England, is the United bro. Kingdom of no. Britain. No. It's Northern Ireland. Hey, you're wearing Irish green. Yeah, yeah, please. Wait, Don't check your social media. Can we get, can we get confirmation on who's who's right here? Is Laura right or am I? No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Laura, I have a question. Wait, so I who's right, me or Laura, in hey. terms of Ireland being in the UK? I'm wrong. Somebody, somebody must have said it in her ear while that was going on. You're wrong. There is no such thing as the United Kingdom of Great Britain, and Ireland is not in the United Kingdom of Great Britain. We have issues with the six counties being part of... I won't say those words, but not the 26. But there you go. Um, uh, from yesterday's program, right, we were chatting with people who uh, had issues with individuals calling to their homes and robbing them. And one conversation was a chap who gave a check and then tried to stop the check, but wasn't fast enough to stop the check for characters up on the roof. Anne says that when she was working in the bank years ago, we rang a customer uh, while the person was actually on the... The person was up on the roof doing work and then brought the bank the check to the bank to the bank to cash the check right so somebody went up did the work customer paid um customer didn't ring the bank or anything this character arrives with the check so the bank rings the customer and says do you want us to pay it out we can stop it the bank was suspicious but the person who issued the check said pay it pay it 
and says this really happened. Apparently, the customer who gave the check would be was afraid that there might be consequences, as in your man might come back and things might get worse. So that's a sad reality where the bank actually rang the customer and said, we don't have to pay this. Is everything all right? And the customer said, pay it. They were afraid for their own safety. Just on that, and indeed one or two other stories as well that Paddy O'Brien's been working on for us very kindly. Paddy joins me by phone. Paddy, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Neil. I don't know if you heard many of those heartbreaking stories yesterday. Just honing in on one, uh, an individual calls with a fake Garda ID. Um, yes, and okay. manages I, to I, take €4,000 from a very, very elderly man. No, that was just awful and just disgraceful. And it tells us something that these people won't stop at anything. You can get so, a fake ID anywhere online now and off you go. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that um, I have said it on, on so many occasions to over the year on Red FM to elderly people, don't entertain strangers at your door, regardless what they're speaking about, just open the door if you don't know them, close the door you may be rude, but you're probably safeguarding yourself and it's pathetic Is, that, is it an idea if they are opening the door I hate saying this, without being alarmist that they should have a chain on? Well, exactly, exactly exactly uh, a, 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 a chain of course would help uh, I suppose, I have said years ago not to open the door, but then if it was a relative calling or something or wanted to see them, but I'd say open the door and um, totally ignore the person. And what I would say then to neighbours, neighbours have a very important role to play here. If they see a car outside a house where there would normally be a car parked, take the number of the car, take that number of the car, and that could help in tracing down the culprit. That's just being community be. alert. That's not and, being and again, I'm saying, I, I'm saying, and there are thousands and thousands of elderly people listening to your programme this morning. I would say... Do not keep money in the house. Well, why do they, Paddy? Why do so many senior citizens um, keep huge amounts, r- r- right. big amounts of cash? Elderly people keep money in the house for one reason. They feel kind of in case something would happen. In case something would happen. Regrettably, then, there are lots of people who don't trust the banks or they don't trust post offices. And I'm saying to the elderly this morning, look, you can arrange you can arrange to have money sent directly to the bank and you can draw it out when you want to. I think Not everybody can people, get to the bank, particularly in the winter months. This is probably a very that's susceptible that's problem. Time. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're correct there. How are they going to get there? But the, the most important thing is this, is that uh, don't open the door. Uh, try, a number Neighbours can help the guardian getting a number of the a number of the car and help them that way. But by no means speak first at the door and no, not at all. Should you, should bring bring them into the house? I mean, obviously these people, these two people who came to the house uh, last week, that gentleman stole that money. Um, one poor, el- one poor elderly man was robbed by the same crowd twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's awful. It's Ninety-three-year-old man, ninety-three. I hope the guards will, will catch up on them because, I mean, if they won't stop at that. When they, if they find somebody that they take €4,000 away from so easily, the first thing they're going to say to themselves, OK, lots of other people have money as well. And as soon as those people are put into prison, the better. Yeah, and teach okay. other people the yeah. lesson. It's just pathetic. Yeah. You see, elderly, elderly at the moment are going through a desperate time. It's exceptionally cold. We've ex- ex- never before experienced this um, Alone, alone, or in the papers this morning, encouraging neighbours to call on people that are alone well, just to check well, and say the hello. Same thing this, I'm saying the same. No, I had I did not have the echo last Saturday night with uh, Amy Nolan. I said, "Call to the neighbours." And what I'm saying to people is this: 
don't be embarrassed Hashem, to knock on the door and just say, can I help you? Because a knock on the door could possibly save a life. You know what they could, you know what you could say? You could say, listen, I'm just going to the shops and uh, exactly. I just thought it's cold. Is there anything you need? Exactly. Last year, last year, late, early last year, we had two tragedies on the north side of Cork where you had at different times six weeks between each death. One man, I think, was uh, ten weeks dead and the other man was three months dead. Right. We don't want any repeats of those fatalities. At this point in time, when going into houses, I know how the people exist. They're frozen with the cold. And I also sent to elderly around the house who are listening to the problem this morning, wear a headgear, wear a cap, wear a hat, wear a scarf, and that retains the body. In your body. And tell me, how's that woman doing down in Bandon, that misfortune? I know we got uh, we got a fill of oil for her and uh, other people gave uh, some money and some food and what have you. Is everything good there? Which, which one woman is this now? It was, um, I know that the separate issue that we dealt with recently was uh, a woman who had no heating oil and we got a fill of oil for her. But was there an issue with the rads or something? No, no, I wasn't involved in that case. I wasn't involved in that particular case at yeah, all, no. Yeah, it's probably, I was far, on it's probably further out of town from you, yeah. I need to check on her and see that everything is okay. Yeah. There was um, a lady rang me yesterday inquiring about that, that she has oil, but um, the system, her heating system isn't working. Oh, so, so it's that. another elderly person. It's independent yeah, yeah, of a elderly person. So it was so if there's anyone down there in the abandoned area. Yeah, they okay. Could, they, they could ring Red FM and you and talk and give them my number and I'll, I'll talk to them then. So we just, but, need a, um, we just need a plumber to pop into this lady and just to bleed yeah, the rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, that's, that's, that's what it is. She told me yesterday morning on the phone uh, that uh, she has the oil, but um, she contacted several plumbers and they said they, they, they would call to see her, but they, they, they haven't. All right, they, okay. They, 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 well, just go back to the general picture of elderly people again. And you made a point there, knocking on the door and saying, listen, I'm going to the shop. I'm going to the shop. Um, the, the elderly, especially the houseman, we have 44 elderly people living alone over, 60, over 55 years of age, and it's between the city and the county. And a lot of them are housebound. Uh, 44,000 uh, people living alone and uh, the cases that I refer to now and again are not isolated a lot of people are suffering they're suffering quietly they're suffering privately they don't want any fuss but they're all suffering from one word that's loneliness yeah. and loneliness is their greatest problem being experienced by the elderly and we can all help them to combat their yes. business as you said now there knock on the door and say listen I'm going to the shop or just help them um, go to one of these deli shops and get anything them. they might need yeah loneliness now compounded by fuel poverty and cold yeah. yeah yeah. okay alright Paddy nice one nice to catch up let's get let's see if we can get a plumber to bleed that woman's rads that elderly person's rads in, exactly, in band yeah. and get thanks that sorted get her warm yeah. and toasty again thanks Paddy cheers anybody can help text 0868 if you're a plumber, you know it's only a quick job if you can fit it in. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Just quickly, I had a quick look at the screen there a couple of seconds ago, and at least six different plumbers have been in touch. We'll give them all a shout out in a few minutes' time, willing to go down and bleed the rads for the senior citizen down in Bandon. But we have. Uh, Got Ken from Ken Mori Heating and Plumbing will do it. Uh, thank you for that, Ken. He's going to get in there and sort it. I'll give shout-outs to the other plumbers after 11 o'clock. Job done. Thank you as usual, guys. You're the best. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the new
Show. And we have for you a 200 euro voucher again uh, today, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jewellers, Patrick Street, Cork. You can check them out online, michellejewellers.ie, and then pop in uh, for a browse. You might pick up a nice Christmas gift for a loved one at Michelle, the jewellers, Patrick Street, a 200 euro voucher. And as usual, you're listening out for another Christmas song sometime between now and midday today. A lot of fun yesterday. It got kind of serious as well, though, about, um, you know, people coming over here from overseas to work um, and some were suggesting that the Irish ask too many questions about where you're from, how long are you here, why did you come here? So that was interesting yesterday. Uh, and some responses to that, I'm intrigued by the responses, to be honest, um, by text. It's people being polite and making conversation. It's the same as asking about the weather. It's just what we do. Uh, why does it annoy that chap on the air, for people to ask him questions like that. I lived in the UK and I was asked all of the time. I never minded at all. He would want to cop on to himself and be glad he has a job in a lovely country to live in, says Marie, rather than being asked, where are you from? Why did you come here? <laughs> it's, it's chattiness. Uh, please read out, as the foreigners are getting the lion's share of time on the show yet again. No, they're not. They're called listeners, not foreigners. If a true-born Irish... If the true-born Irish don't talk to foreigners and ignore them, we're accused of being insular and racist. But then Dennis goes on to say, Personally, I do agree with them, and I do not engage with foreigners across the board. <laughs> Thank you for that, Dennis. Uh, I lived in Australia for years. These questions never bothered me while living there. Where are you from? Where's Ireland? How long are you here? Why'd you come here? I came here from the UK 40 years ago, aged 15, and I still get asked where my accent is from. It drives me insane. On the subject of foreign people living here, could you ask foreign people, when someone says hello or good morning, as they pass them on the street, to say hello or good morning back? And don't just walk past as if you're not there. It's really annoying and you're just being friendly. It's a bit like people that you let out in traffic and they don't thank you for it, give you the salute or the finger up, might give you the two fingers up. You're left out in traffic. Give the person the old banu. The problem with the Irish is that one or two questions leads to 20. And the questions get more brazen and intrusive. None of us, if we're very frank, like people asking too many questions. Irish people have a problem in talking about neutral subject matters. And you always have to be wary of impertinent questions which come out of the blue from Irish people. <laughs> These are brilliant. I know you're serious and I probably shouldn't laugh, but we're nosy, are we? We're just goddamn nosy. Um, don't mention the Spanish Inquisition. It was the same here in the UK when I first arrived here. Are you Irish? The Brits were not knowledgeable on the geographical side of Ireland, let me say. Then when you met an Irish person here, the question was, are you just over? On returning to Ireland, the normal question was, when are you going back? People in Ireland say that to me when I've just arrived home. When are you going back? There's a bit of art in communicating with people, I suppose, says Con. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll come back to it. I just want to delve back into a topic uh, that's been on air with me over the past few days. And that is uh, people who have uh, energy supplies. Now, it could be gas or it could be electric. And I told you the story. One of these stories actually involved a woman who is a tenant of Cork Corporation in a, an apartment block. Um, where there was a gas leak. Wednesday of last week, the emergency services came and had to switch off uh, the gas uh, because of the gas leak. Her landlord, of course, is Cork City Council. You know, need I mention, um, they're 
her landlord, so therefore it's their responsibility. But nobody has come anywhere near her. I think we may have been able to help her yesterday because she can't cook and she's got no heating. Um, But nothing's been done. Absolutely nothing. And then, of course, I was telling you of people who are pay-as-you-go, right? People who literally top up themselves with the app. They're being cut off. Even though there is a moratorium in existence where gas and electricity disconnections cannot be done from the 1st of December to the 28th of February. But that doesn't seem to apply to pay-as-you-go customers. Now, I think that's wrong. I think it's very wrong. An awful lot of people pay as they go because that's how they can afford to pay their bills and it makes sense to people, particularly on limited income. Uh, Mick Barry TD joins me by phone. Mick, good morning. Am I missing something here? Am I missing something? Good morning to you, Neil, and a happy Christmas uh, you to too. you. No, you're not, you're not missing anything at all. The state has announced uh, a moratorium on gas and electricity disconnections. Um, and they forgot completely to include uh, pay-as-you-go uh, people uh, in that moratorium. I brought it up in the doll at the end of September uh, in a question to Leo Varadkar, and two and a half months on, they still haven't fixed the problem. And how do, you know, they, how do you know that they literally forgot? Well, they either, uh, in a cold-blooded way, decided to leave pay-as-you-go uh, customers out of the equation or else they forgot about them entirely. You take your pick in relation to that, okay? Okay, okay. And what do we, how many people do we know or families proportionally would be pay-as-you-go as opposed to bill pay? Is there a figure or a percentage? Yes, we do, we do know, uh, and it's a growing minority. So there are 117,000 uh, pay-as-you-go gas customers in the state. And then there are 340,000 pay-as-you-go electricity connections. Now, some of them... That's half a million homes then, pay-as-you-go. There's probably a few of the electricity connections. It would be holiday homes. But certainly there are hundreds of thousands of households in this country who are relying on pay-as-you-go. Now, here's the deal, right? Government said, we'll get you through the winter, we'll give you 200 euro um, uh, at three, three stages over the winter. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So the first lot came through the end of November, the start of December. Okay? Yeah. I would venture that there's a lot of households that will burn through that 200 euro in the seven or ten days of this cold snap alone. Alone. For example, last night I spoke to a woman living in the north side, living in a council house. Um, one of those old-fashioned council homes, the, the BER rating wouldn't be the greatest on it. Yeah. Right? She's spending a tenner a week, a tenner a day now on, electri- on electricity, a tenner a day on gas, and seven euro a day on coal and blocks to heat her home. So call it right? 30 euro a day, call it 2,100 a week, or 210 a week. Yeah, eight or nine days of the coal snap, her 200 euro will be burned through. Now, she said to me, I'll be okay. My fella is working, he's bringing home a good wage, we'll get through the Christmas, okay. But if that wage wasn't coming into the house, I'd be waiting on my next 200 euro coming in January, and I would be disconnected over the Christmas, right? And I'm sure that there's uh, more than one or two families out there, a lot more than one or two families, who are facing that as a possibility now 
and the government have to do something about it. But this. surely it's discrimination against citizens in the Republic that they would be disconnected while others would not. Yes, I believe it is discrimination. And uh, I've questioned uh, the Tarnister on this. I've also questioned uh, the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, on this issue. And the, the line that I get back is, look, it's a technical problem. Uh, if you have a pay-as-you-go uh, meter, uh, it, it, it's, it's not really possible to organise it so that there would be no disconnections. And I don't believe it. Because when you're a pay-as-you-go customer, you cannot be disconnected, for example, on a bank holiday. You cannot be dis- disconnected at a weekend. Yeah, yeah. So if they can organise for you not to be disconnected uh, on some of the days in the week, why can't they, as one fella said, organise that you, you, you don't be disconnected on any day I, with a wire? I, I, listen, <laughs> I, I would struggle to try and work out how it could that, that it's a technical issue to be. Either you do disconnect or you don't. The decision is just the, made. I'll tell you what the issue is. I tell you what the real issue is behind the scenes. I, I can't prove this because uh, I'm not getting the minutes of the meetings, but I'm, I'm as, as, as sure as damaged that what's going on in the background is that the, pay, the pay-as-you-go companies, there's two pay-as-you-go companies in this state, and by the way, they're run by very, very wealthy people, millionaires and in one case, a billionaire. I bet you behind scenes they're saying to the government, look at, <laughs> if we can't disconnect people, there's going to be people who have huge debts when we get to the end of the winter and we're coming but, into March, April. But bill payers we, would have huge... And we, and we won't get the money back. And they're saying to the government, you can't go for the disconnections. Oh, in the sense that the money will be spent, the, the fuel will be spent, used and burned or what have you, and there's no crying after spilt milk, is it? I guess that, I guess that the, the bosses in the big pay-as-you-go companies think that they won't get a, a large share of the money back and they're saying to the government, don't do it. I, I suspect that that's but what's do going they, on. Do they yeah, believe that, okay, so if the government buys that, they must also believe that bill payers who run up debts will pay it back, is it? And they're uh, also saying now that people who pay as you go are dishonest. It's just getting worse. It gets worse and worse. And uh, I have a chance to speak up in the doll today across from me all Martin at about... Ooh, 25 minutes or 20 minutes to 3 and I will be raising this uh, in, in a serious way today because, because it, 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 it's the last chance for me to do it before the, the, the doll is dissolved for an entire month uh, which is what's going to happen after uh, Leo gets the big job on, okay. uh, on Saturday. Can I just ask you on, good luck with that question today because it's a very important one because I keep getting texts and calls from people who are being disconnected while others aren't. Just what is the temperature? You don't even have to you don't even have to answer it if, if you don't want. What is the temperature in the doll, particularly with regards to Leo Varadkar and the issues in, in the nightclub and what have you without going into the actual detail? What's the temperature like there? Sunday Independent said that there was a lot of disquiet around the doll on that particular issue. Uh, I think the Sunday Independent hyped it up a bit uh, in order to, to sell the newspapers. I would say the feeling in here, certainly my own feeling, I can really only speak for myself and my immediate colleagues, would be the same as I think the majority of ordinary people is that people's private life is a separate thing from, from the public life that they live and we're not really going to get into it, you know? Okay. Let, let, let me put it this way, Neil, right? I have a hundred things... That I, that I aim to tackle Leo Varadkar on, the disaster that they've made of the housing crisis, what's happening in our hospitals at the moment, the pay-as-you-go 
uh, people facing disconnection over the Christmas. That's what I'll be concentrating my fire on. And him in a nightclub and whatever went on in there is of no consequence. His private business, you say. Appreciate the answer, Mick. Thank you for taking the call. Good luck this afternoon. Happy Christmas to you, Mick Barry Happy TD. Too, Lines are open. Text 0868 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. There's a GoFundMe, actually, if you wish to help. Uh, Vicky was in touch to say, I know you've helped raise awareness and have spoken to the O'Leary family in Carrigaline regarding Catherine O'Leary. Uh, that's the mother with uh, lockdown syndrome. I'm uh, Vicky, a friend of the family. Uh, recently, the electricity went out in Carrigaline and Catherine is on vital machines and her dad is her carer. He asked for a HSC grant for a generator and the proper electrical fitting for it and was refused. It's terribly worrying about what will happen if the electricity were to go again. So I've set up a GoFundMe page, Catherine O'Leary, a mother with locked-in syndrome. And there's a raffle for a hamper in Galvin's carry-out in Carrigaline. Um, I'm hoping you might be able to mention on your show about the situation as I know you checked in with Pat, Margaret and the family from time to time. It would be very much appreciated. Happy to do that, Vicky, and well done for your intervention on this one. There is a GoFundMe page to hope um, to gather as much money as they can to get the generator because the HSE refused it. Vital machines now that need power all of the time. And if you feel you can help on GoFundMe, uh, you'll find it on the search. Catherine O'Leary, a mother with locked-in syndrome. And sometimes you get evidence of the world being very, very cruel to people, and I think that is an example of that. Talking about talking about cruelty, uh, let me go back to my, my phone lines. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, you're talking about in and around the Carroll's Key area, I believe, what you saw. What did you see? I was passing on the bus, Neil, and that was Sunday morning, and I seen the resemblance of a sleeping bag in a doorway. No, it wasn't just only the sleeping bag. There was actually Ziploc bags stuffed with insulation. Now, that's insulation you would see up in an attic of a house. Well, how how was that working though? What was being insulated? The inside or under it or the corners? It was it was like it was like probably about ten ziploc bags, and they were stuffed with insulation, and they were all uh, sellotaped together. Oh and my just god! over then, you know that oh that. That's how cold it was now. It was freezing at the weekend. Very, very, very cold in Cork. Yeah, it was absolutely freezing. And they could, the conditions for people, you know, to be sleeping on the street. But does Simon, cold. though, have opened the day room 24-7? Um, are people, is, is there a shortage of space even at that? No, the, the, the Simon community are absolutely brilliant, Neil. And I can't fault them for the work they do, right? But the problem is, there's, there's people they're just they're just afraid to go in when the doors of the assignment yeah I heard that because for a lot of different they, reasons they'll end up sleeping on a floor with about 15 other men and that, that that's that's part of the reason why you'd see see people sleeping in doorways and stuff around the city they're just afraid of their life to go into a, in, in the doors of the assignment they feel you safer know. in a tent in the cold yeah yeah and that that's that's the reality of it Neil you know it's it's shocking it's horrific and you know like that weather was so bad up in Clondalk in, over the weekend as well you would I, I'm pretty sure it was it was a 15 year old girl died in the tent away. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, and like the, the housing minister Darrell O'Brien should be ashamed of himself you know one death is is too many 
and he should hang his hang his head in shame. Yeah, I know, I know. How anyone would survive through the night in a tent in those sub-zero conditions, no matter how much you try and wrap up inside and out, it's impossible. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely horrific. Now, you go into the council, then um, into the APS or anything like that, they will tell you go to the Simon. If you don't go to the Simon, they won't help you anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. That's the other part of it, then, as well, you know, and... There's fierce disparity on who's helped and who's not, isn't there? And the amount of help that's given. Well, look, it's... it's The, the, the important part of it and what the council look at is helping women and children. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, it's single men are always thrown out onto the streets and left in doorways. And if you did survive the night, of course, in those kind of sub-zero conditions, like, you'd be frozen to your bones all day long, wouldn't you? With nowhere to go, just hanging around, frozen. You wouldn't recover from a night in a tent any time quickly. You wouldn't no, defrost. I, no, and that's the other side of it, Neil. You know, you're walking the streets the next day, you know? Yeah, yeah. All day, the next day, and back into a doorway again that night. And the vicious circle just continues. Continues. It's horrific, you know, and it's a never-ending circle, you know. Um, How could it be made better, though? The, the the policies the policies inside in City Hall it, they just need to change the house like it's it's even horrific there if you walk around Cork and you look at derelict properties they are everywhere yeah yeah you know it's yeah. it uh, that's what they need to target they're not doing it. I suppose the real, I suppose the real proof of the pudding is is to live the experience yourself for a period of time. That would change your way of thinking big time, wouldn't well, it? Well, well, if Daryl O'Brien went out and slept in it in, in a doorway for one night, I can guarantee you he'd wake up the next morning. He'd call it a, a housing, a housing emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you get yourself? Did you get yourself sorted, Paul, or your brother? What's the story there? I did, Neil. I did. I did. I got sorted. Uh, it's still in emergency accommodation and stuff, you know. But look, it's it's better. It's better than what I was. In, absolutely, you know, so. absolutely. And um, are those are the prospects good going forward? Like, I mean, is that a, is that a bed and breakfast or what? It's 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 a hotel, Neil. You know, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 a lot better than the conditions that I was in inside the yeah. hostel, you know. And they can be very grateful for that. Yeah, I know. In fairness, you are grateful, and you fought the good fight. In fairness, on your behalf, so well done for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, All right, Paul. It's just horrific for anyone to be sleeping out in the street. Yeah. All right, my man. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. No uh, with regards to what is public or indeed what is private, if a politician's private life is indeed private, perhaps they ought not to make it public. Bradker, uh, more so than any other Irish politician, exploits every aspect of his private life for public recognition, does he not? Or did the contents of his fridge not make the news cycle a few weeks ago? Is it an interesting that Michal Martin and the Irish media are now con- so concerned with the private life of Leo Varadkar that they want to change everything? Where was this concern for the private medical history of the people of Ireland? Or vax passes? Uh, were they a figment of my imagination, says Richie. Uh, I'm sorry now, your man being on is ridiculous. The leader of the country parting away in a nightclub is absolutely crazy, not right and proper. How many world leaders go clubbing at the weekend? 
I've no idea. Maybe the younger ones, perhaps. This is a joke, Neil. Once again, anything to protect the sorry excuse of a government. Michal Martin, ready to enforce the law ASAP to protect his new buddy, Leo. We have young kids committing suicide for years because of videos and comments circulating online and their parents have campaigned for years for more stringent laws against it. But all of a sudden, Michal Martin is trying to look after his buddy, He's getting paid a serious chunk of salary and should act accordingly by leading, by example and all that. I just think it's some joke that families have been fighting for years for more laws to be enforced for online bullying and a video of Leo circulating online is what's given them the kick in the arse to do something about it. And one or two more, the most significant consequence of this latest Leo Varadkar scandal might be that the penny will finally drop in the minds of the Irish people. Uh, Ireland does not have a free pass for everything. Sinn Féin can't do any worse than the current crowd. Sinn Féin do, however, believe in open borders in Ireland and throughout Europe. And one final one, the Varadka video. Well, the Tories tried a similar privacy claim when an MP was caught with a female escort. It ended up as the Profumo scandal. I won't go into details of that historical episode, but it did lead to all sorts of shenanigans and problems in the British uh, political world uh, back in the 50s, I believe. I'm up to correction on that. It might be the 60s. But one thing, though, there's a really great spy thriller series on at the moment. It's fabulous. Um, and it's based on fact. It has to do with, uh, you know, spying for the Russians. It's called A Spy Among Friends. Don't know whether you've seen it or not. If not, and you like a good spy thriller, I think it's a six-parter. It's called A Spy Among Friends. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, and don't forget a 200-euro voucher to give away again this morning for Michelle, the jewellers, Patrick Street. You're listening out for a Christmas song sometime between now and midday. I've got to play three. I got managed to play three Christmas songs this morning, which is pretty good as the countdown to Christmas continues. Incidentally, can I also just say, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, Secrets, Bobby and the gang at Secrets, sent me a thousand euro worth of gift vouchers for Singleton Super Value in Holly Hill. Each of the gift vouchers is worth 50 euro. If perhaps you might know somebody that might be a bit short this Christmas time for lots of different things, it could be a bit of food for the Christmas period. It might be fuel, they might need coal or they might need turf or logs, whatever the case may be. Those vouchers could be used if you know somebody that could do with them or indeed if you're genuine yourself, I'd be encouraging people to text. I'll never give out people's private details. You know, this is private and personal to you, so you can either text 0868104106 or email neil at redfm.ie. It's a thousand euro worth of vouchers. And also, thank you to McCarthy's Meets in Hawks Road and Bishopstown. They've provided again this year vouchers. These vouchers can be used for a turkey or a ham or both you might want to buy some steaks or you might want to buy some chicken they're to the value of a hundred euros so we have those to give away as well so thank you to everybody for coming on board on that can I just uh, if I mention these two words Wagatha Christie I know what will spring to mind it will be the trial where uh, Rebecca Vardy brought uh, Colleen Rooney uh, to court for defamation and slander and libel and what have you regarding the accusations that Colleen Rooney made about um, Rebecca Vardy leaking private information and stories to the tabloids, particularly the Sun. And of course, it was serious tabloid fodder for uh, months on end, wasn't it, really? Uh, And everybody got captivated. Me, because I just couldn't get over the idleness of their minds and the sense of entitlement and the world that they lived in with so much money and so little sense. But over the weekend, I got a preview copy of Vardy versus Rooney, a courtroom drama. Now, this will air on Channel 4 
on Wednesday and Thursday, the 21st and 22nd of December. I've seen it, saw it at the weekend. I thought it was incredible. By and large, it's based in the courtroom. That's why it's called, I suppose, Vardy v. Rooney, a courtroom drama. But it's very cleverly put together because there's a very clever use of witness statements from both women that were made, obviously, and written and then submitted to the court. So it's all in the courtroom, but it kind of breaks away from time to time with the use of very clever testimony. Um, and here's, an, here's an example of what I'm talking about. It'll explain it better. I did pay attention, but there is no one else on my private Instagram that was in a position to give this information over to the son. And then she replied. There's a section in your witness statement headed desire to be famous. How is that evidence that she was leaking from your private Instagram account? That's not, but my view was that she wanted to be kept relevant. I felt like what she got back from giving my Instagram post was to get press attention. Mrs. Rooney, there isn't a shred of evidence that it was Mrs. Vardy, is there? Well, it was someone on my Instagram account, and I believe it was Rebecca Vardy. It's factual, right? But it's fantastically acted, particularly by the two actors who play Rooney and indeed Vardy. When Rebecca Varney discovered what uh, Colleen Rooney had posted and called her out and named her as the person behind the leaks to the sun, here's a section from that. I saw Colleen's post which said I'd leaked to the sun soon after it was published on the 9th of October 2019. It came as a great shock to me. I could not believe that Colleen had not called me before posting this accusation to the world. My concerns were that I would not faint, have a panic attack or stop breathing. I started to get really hot and suffer from strange palpitations. Loads of messages started coming through my mobile phone, calling me names. You're up. sells their friends out. I was heavily pregnant and I panicked that the baby was in danger. I made myself calm down and tried to think clearly. I knew there must have been a mistake. A very public row has broken out between the wives of two high-profile footballers. She conducted an undercover sting operation. Feels like the start of something quite explosive. taking the witness box for the very first time on day four of this trial. In fact, it's the first time she's ever spoken publicly about this case at all. Colleen Rooney's defence to what she said is that she's telling the truth, that it was Rebecca Vardy behind those leaks. And if she could prove that, then she's fine. But if she can't, then she could lose this trial. Unbelievable stuff, really and truly. The director of... Vardy v. Rooney, a courtroom drama, is Una Carney. Although we forgive her for not being born here, she certainly was raised here and reared here, went to college here and joins me by phone. Una, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. I have to say, brilliant television. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Even for anybody that wasn't following it in the newspapers, brilliant. Well done. Asha, that's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to show it now at the end of month. Natalia Tenna as Rebecca Vardy and Chanel Cresswell as Colleen Rooney are incredibly powerful, aren't they? Yeah, they're 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 superb, and you know it was it was great working with them. They of course took it really seriously because I guess there's nothing more frightening for an actor than playing someone who is real and who is alive. Um, and so they both you know researched their roles really well. You know, attended to the way Vardy walks. You know, the way they they hold their face, facial expressions, body movements, accent, um, and then I suppose more importantly, trying to get inside their heads. Um, um, so, so yeah, I was very, very lucky. I mean, we we um, we went through a casting process over the summer, and really, they were they were we we got our dream cast. Absolutely. Know? I mean, Michael Sheen. What can I say about Michael? <laughs> He's just an incredible actor, anyway, and he plays the barrister. That would be Colleen's barrister, David Sherburn, right? Yeah, I, I have to admit that was kind of that was a bit of a game changer moment in our casting when 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 we um, when we gave we you know we we we, uh, we sent the scripts to to Michael and he he uh, he really liked them and and that's where it started. It started with the story and the scripts and the power of those yeah, yeah, uh, transcripts yeah. from the court. When you, so, I mean, when um, you, when I, when you when one when people watch it, you literally be dragged into the courtroom. It's that powerful. I mean, it's just... I mean, I was watching the first half of it, for instance, and it kind of changed my mind a bit for part two, but in the first half, I I kept on saying to myself, how in the name of God could Rebecca Vardy's legal team have allowed her to take such a weak case? Uh, I love that you changed your mind in episode two. I did a bit, and I did. (laughs) But in the first one, I was saying, this is insane that she went to court with this. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, um, you know, not having seen it, will, will will think the same. But you know, as you see in episode two, um, the burden of proof kind of lay with with Rooney's side. You know, to prove that it was Rebecca Hardy. That was a that was a ruling that was made um, at a hearing the previous year. That the the infamous uh, line, "It's Rebecca Vardy's account." The meaning of that is Rebecca Vardy. And of course, you know, the other thing that's worth knowing is that Caroline Watt, her press agent, originally was going to testify on her on her part and only withdrew her statement and her willingness to take part in the trial quite late in the day. It was the, the kind of February, March before the trial in yeah, May. Yeah, it's been very so, tough on her subsequent to the trial. I know that. I was reading up some stories afterwards. But and, and some of the accusations were that Caroline Watt got thrown out of a, under a bus. I mean, <laughs> is there anything you have an opinion or a thought on? Um, you know, it's it's inter- I found it very interesting, kind of uh, researching the views of journalists because, um, you know, that that's what Sherburne said, and he's very persuasive in court when he says it. But it's it's hard to know, you know. I mean, I suppose that, you know what went down between Caroline Watt and Rebecca Vardy, and um, in a way, I suppose I kind of focused on what their views were, their each truths were, you know, Rooney and and Vardy going in and kind of. Um, said I, I, I won't really make any judgment beyond that that's yeah. for, for our audiences yeah. to kind of decide yeah. absolutely and you know what the use of text messaging and whatsapping back and forth and what have you it becomes very central in the case I mean years ago we wouldn't have had any of this but it's like as if you're capturing people's conversations in text 
Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of conversations around that because the the I suppose the challenge there is you know yourself when you're sending a text message it's kind of you know you sing your own voice and something that can be funny sometimes can be misinterpreted and um, so we had to because that's precisely what's at stake in court. Sherbin is saying you find it very funny, don't you? And she's like she replies, I don't know whether you know <laughs> I was laughing or crying. So we had to be careful not to interpret those texts but find a way to show them so that the audience could, you know, um, follow exactly what was at stake. Yeah, but there were par- it, beca- it became a powerful exactly. part of the evidence, the actual messages, mm-hmm. not, not just between Caroline Watt and Rebecca Vardy, but also some of them were between Vardy and Rooney. But mm-hmm. I, I kept on feeling like, who's actually on trial here? I kept feeling, for the, certainly the first mm-hmm. episode, I felt that it was if Vardy was on trial, but she brought the case. Yeah, I de- dealt herself, I think what people call it a, a spectacular own goal in, in the sense that um, absolutely, she that's the great irony of it. She she took the case um, and I think arguably found the, the trial the, the most stressful of anyone. And, yeah. and you see that in episode one. But um, there is there is that exciting moment at the end of episode two where we go back to that moment when, you know, literally the women are, the masks are off and they're texting each other directly, you know, what what the uh, what the hell is this? And you know what it is. And so um, th- th- that kind of moment was really, really uh, yeah, fun. Yeah. So it, until then, it was a bit of a dance. Yeah, so we have, yeah, we have, the, we have the, the court case, of course, over two episodes. We have, you know, obviously Caroline wasn't there, but featured very much throughout it in, in every you had Rebecca Vardy, you had Colleen Rooney. Jamie Vardy didn't take the stand, but Wayne Rooney did. Did he strengthen or weaken the defence, I wonder? I got the feeling that he weakened it a bit, did he? Um, interesting, yeah. I mean, the, the journalists uh, who were there, their accounts say he actually did really well on the stand. Okay. I think a lot of people think of Wayne Rooney, maybe they remember him when he was 17, 18 and thrust into the limelight and with a very young man and not yet the articulate, more mature person he is today, you know, managing football teams. So he actually held himself really well in court, spoke very well. And and we don't have this bit of the transcript in the trial, but he did say, you know, he did speak about the the trolling and the abuse and condemned that. And and it came across as really authentic and, and that, you know, you know, the, the 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 accounts are that obviously he was there to support his, his wife, wife yeah, and yeah. Um, whether that was under duress or willingly, we don't know. But he did he did sit beside her every single day. Uh, every In the sense that he did give evidence, whereas Jamie Vardy didn't, for whatever reasons best known to himself. Yeah, I think Jamie Vardy got a lot of slack about that. Um, on his defence, I suppose he was playing football that week, and apparently, I think he scored a goal. Um, and given the 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 state of the bill that's come in, maybe that's no bad thing. Just just on that point, of course, this was just an incredible waste of money, wasn't it? And not just their own money, but taxpayers' money for this to be in one of the highest courts in the land. And that got me thinking as well while watching it of this sense of entitlement like even the idleness of their minds that they feel that this should end up in a courtroom did 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 you intentionally try and get that message across 
Um, do you know, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, I mean, you know, it is a huge amount of money and obviously we're living through times of the cost of living crisis and, and war is happening um, in Europe. But at the same time, I suppose, one thing I would say in, in their defence, in a way, they're, they're wealthy women through their own bat, largely maybe built on the careers they've built after marrying um, well-known footballers who pay their taxes. You know, they're brilliantly talented footballers, they pay their taxes. So in some ways, it's, whether it's well spent or badly spent, it's clean money. I think what's more shocking is the political footballs being thrown around in, in Westminster over the last few months and sort of the lack of responsibility on those who are actually representing people. So these women give us a bit of sport, do you know what I mean, in terms of how they're you know, there's kind of a bit of a contradiction on the one on the one side. You know, we can kind of judge them for wasting the money, but at the same time, um, I yeah. think we all enjoyed um, vicariously following the trial, and uh, and so you know, it's it's not like they have any greater responsibility towards us. Um, it it, it, it was desperate for attention, desperate for press coverage. Um, Desperate to feel relevant, I thought, in, in their lives. You know what I mean? They, they lived in a I'm a celebrity, strictly come dancing kind of a world. Desperate for attention. Am I being unfair? Um, I suppose it goes back to the original tweet and, and sort of, you know, what I find interesting about Rooney's character is that, like, she's known to be a private person. You know, she had her moment in the limelight when she was very young. She was thrust into it. She did court the media. Um, and then she decided she wanted to become a mum and a family person and kind of, you know, didn't want to, to play that game anymore. Vardy came to the WAG culture, I suppose, a lot later and sort of when it was on the decline. And her background as well is maybe less solid than Colleen. You know, she ran away from home and um, she, she was abused. So she sort of, you always feel like she's always trying to, to kind of uh, make her own way. Yeah. And, 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 and so in a way, I kind of think they're both quite different women who've, who've come at this case quite differently. You know, Rooney felt betrayed. It, it, it propelled her so much. Betrayal is something she's experienced in her own life. It's going to touch a nerve. And she took this this uh, to, to millions of followers on social media and Vardy mm. felt so wrong by that mm. she counted her so yes there is entitlement there there's power there I suppose and in some ways I find that kind of interesting because um, you know they're, at the end of the day these two women took it all the way to court they didn't back down we rarely get to see a story like that I think that's partly what, what one of the things that I saw it. actually watching it was that apparently there were um, correct me if I'm wrong here. Three calendar months where Colleen Rooney was posting fake stories, uh, culminating in the flooded basement. But it was the flooded basement one that was sold. There were much better fakes that were completely ignored. Yeah, and that's I suppose a really important part of um, of Vardy's uh, argument and with with her with her lawyer Tomlinson. You know that like there was almost fifty stories published and only one found its way into the press. So um, I think a lot of people probably don't know that and it's, a, it's kind of a big reveal. Yeah, I need to stop actually because I'll give away way too much on your <laughs> behalf because you've landed a big fish with this docudrama and well done for doing it. But how's life with you anyway? Because um, I know we, we claim you as a, as a court girl reared in Ballin Temple, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, grew up in Ballin Temple. That's right. Um, went to the Science and on to UCC. So yeah, absolutely. 100% Cork. <laughs> Do you get back often, I wonder? Um, I do like I'm. I'm living in Cork. I'm not there today, but I'm. I'm living in Cork. Um, I did yeah, not know so, that. 
Yeah, yeah. I was in London for 10 years, but I moved back in 2016, 17, I think it was. So that's the, the home base. It's, it's great to be back. Delighted for you. Delighted for you. It's an incredible achievement. Well done for it. I hope we see many more of great directorships by your good self. This airs on the 21st and 22nd of December, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. You'd be expecting a big reaction to it, I'd say. Fingers crossed. Yeah, um, there seems to be a lot of interest, so we hope that people will enjoy it. It's the week before Christmas, so the last few days, that people will be able to wind down and have a glass of wine and sit back and, and watch it. Yeah. Uh, they won't be sitting back at all, they'll be dragged right into the courtroom, Una. They really will. Well done. <laughs> Delighted. Nice chatting with you. Happy Christmas and congratulations on it. Take Perfect. care. Take care. Text 0868104106. Guys, your thoughts are welcome. Watch that. Get it in your calendar. Una Carney. Uh, who's back living on Lee's side, director of Vardy v. Rooney, a courtroom drama, the 21st, 22nd of December. A million miles from Raya Carey, I get that. The original and still the best. Burr Lives and a holly jolly Christmas. Uh, Pauline Murphy is in Grange, has got herself, uh, actually that's for a voucher for McCarthy's and also Elizabeth uh, Foley from Ballincollig. I don't have full addresses, but I know you know where you are yourself. We've got a 200 euro voucher for Elizabeth from Michelle the Jewellers, Patrick Street. Every day this week, a 200 euro voucher uh, for Michelle the Jewellers and I hope that you'll put it to good use and buy a good gift for yourself or indeed a loved one this Christmas. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. We'll pick up the conversation in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.